Hello, and welcome to Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors go beyond the headlines to talk about the health policy news of the week. I'm Rob Lott. And I'm Ellen Bayer. Before we get into our conversation for today, I just wanted to let our listeners know that the second episode of Health Affairs' new podcast called Research and Justice for All is now out, and that podcast provides perspectives on how to dismantle unjust systems and structures affecting health outcomes in marginalized populations. The first season, which is sponsored by CVS Health, focuses on private sector solutions for health equity. And this week's episode features a really interesting conversation with Dr. Brian Buckley, who is the Director of Health Equity Initiatives for the National Committee for Quality Assurance. So I'd encourage our listeners to tune into that episode and subscribe to the Research and Justice for All podcast. So today we're here to talk about a new payment model that was just announced last week by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, and it's called States Advancing All-Payer Health Equity Approaches and Development, or AHEAD for short, and that's how we'll be referring to it. So Rob, you've been following the news on this closely. What can you tell us about the new model? What are its goals and how how does it attempt to achieve them? Thanks, Helen. Yeah, why don't we start with the top line description from CMS itself. They say that the model, quote, aims to improve the overall health of a state population by ensuring providers are delivering efficient, high quality, and coordinated care to patients. Okay, that sounds pretty good. What does that mean in practice? Well, um, it's a voluntary model with funding for states who want to participate. CMS will issue awards to up to eight states for up to $12 million. So this is really intended as an investment by the federal government in states with new tools to manage the overall health of the state's population. Um, It's really an example of true and broad population health management, or at least that's how it's envisioned. And um, there's also a notably long time frame. We're looking at about 11 years for this model to uh, hopefully take root and have an impact. Okay, well, 11 years is quite a long time and $12 million, that's not nothing. What does CMS expect to happen with these funds? Well, um, those funds are really meant to facilitate the state's implementation of the model. And the model itself is really designed around a few key pillars. One is a big focus or investment in primary care. um, And that includes um, some extra payments, Medicare enhanced primary care payments, Um, to help providers improve care coordination and increase screening and referrals to community resources like housing and transportation to address social drivers of health. Uh, Another uh, key pillar is equity. Yeah, I noticed that. That is really front and center here. After all, that's the E in the acronym AHEAD, right? So I guess that's not exactly a surprise given that CMS has a 10-year plan to advance health equity throughout all of its policies and programs. Yeah, very true. In this case, it does look like they're getting a little more targeted than perhaps they may have been in the past. As part of this model, all participating states will be required to develop a statewide health equity plan, which will include uh, programs aimed at reducing disparities and improving population health. And participating hospitals will also be required to create uh, plans consistent with the statewide health equity priorities and activities. 
But uh, Ellen, I also want to mention what is perhaps the most central pillar of this model, which is the idea that CMS is asking states to embrace a total cost of care framework. And this is how the model aims to hold participating states accountable for quality and population health outcomes, really population-wide, statewide, while essentially uh, constraining the cost of healthcare services delivered in that state. Now, ideally, for a total cost of care model to work, you need at least two key things. One is uh, that its reach really ought to extend across all payers in the state. That includes Medicare, Medicaid, but also private insurers and plans. And the other uh, key thing is this use of uh, what we call global hospital budgets. And that's when hospitals receive a predetermined fixed annual budget for a specific patient population. So why the focus on hospitals in particular? Well, they're a huge player, obviously, in any state's healthcare ecosystem, and they are seen as one particularly notable source of uh, cost growth. Um, so think about setting a prospective budget. You're essentially challenging the states to live within that budget, or really the hospitals, to deliver quality care, even better care, more cost-effective care, while coming in under a reasonable and uh we hope, deliberately established uh, budget ceiling. And this is one key accountability mechanism that CMS is hoping to use to hold states to their promises. Another mechanism is bonus payments that hospitals will be eligible to earn for quality improvement on some key disparity-focused measures. But Ellen, I also want to underscore that this framework is not new, right? We've seen quite a few examples of states playing around with this total cost of care model in the past. That's exactly right. Um, You know, it's often said that states are the laboratories of democracy, and often they'll test out innovations that eventually get adopted in some form at at the federal level. And as CMS pointed out when it announced AHEAD, this model builds on all-payer innovations that have been implemented in Maryland, Vermont, and Pennsylvania. And so these models are pretty complex and states have taken different approaches with varying levels of success. And there have been hundreds, if not thousands of pages written about these programs over the years. And of course, we don't have anywhere near enough time to talk about all of them or even about the results of all the evaluations that have been done on them. Fair enough. Um, But Ellen, let's say I'm a state and uh, I've just decided to participate in the AHEAD model. Can you point me to a few key lessons maybe that folks have learned from previous experiences? Is there one state in particular that jumps out? Hint, hint. Well, if I had to pick one, that probably would be the state of Maryland. And in an article that we published today in Health Affairs Forefront, Troy and Brennan pointed out that of all the all-payer models that have been implemented in the states, Maryland's total cost of care model probably is the closest in design to AHEAD. And we'll put a link to that article in the show notes. And so Maryland has a really long history with all-payer models. And so just to review briefly, back in the 1970s, as many of our listeners may know, Maryland set up an all-payer rate-setting system for hospitals so that the state would set the rates that hospitals are paid by Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial payers. And this was done both to reduce hospital costs and also to prevent cost shifting, which involves hospitals charging higher rates to commercial insurers to make up for the relatively lower payments from Medicare and Medicaid. 
And a number of other states also implemented all payer rate setting models, but the Maryland system is the only one that has stood the test of time and survived to today. I assume it's changed a bit over the years? For sure, it has. Um, Over the decades, Maryland's program has morphed and gone through several iterations with some major design changes along the way. Um, The state moved hospital payments to a a global budget model that was implemented um, from 2014 to 2018. And in 2019, it launched the total cost of care model, which in addition to the global budget for hospitals, as well as the all-payer rate setting that I mentioned earlier, it includes a care redesign program that prioritizes collaborations between hospitals and community-based providers so that hospitals can make incentive payments to outside providers to improve care. And Maryland's total cost of care model also includes a primary care element that offers an additional per beneficiary per month payment from CMS to primary care providers for providing care management services, similar to the primary care piece of a head that you described, Rob. Um, So as these programs have evolved in Maryland over the years, the state has learned some valuable lessons. Um, first, as uh, was mentioned in a forefront, Health Affairs Forefront article by uh, Nelson Sabatini and several co-authors, having a good, solid data infrastructure has been really essential to Maryland's success. And as the state shifted to global budgeting, in addition to all pay rate setting, it invested in a public-private partnership to allow for effective information sharing. And a regional health information exchange, the Chesapeake Regional Information System for our patients, or CRISP, uh, enables data sharing between the state and health plans and healthcare providers uh, to provide extensive data at the point of care and improve care coordination. And we'll drop a link uh, to that article in the show notes as well. And in an issue brief that was published by the Healthcare Value Hub, which is supported by Arnold Ventures and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Authors noted that the Health Services Cost Review Commission in Maryland has been a key element of that state's success with these payment models because it operates as an independent agency. It's led by volunteer commissioners appointed by the governor and is funded through assessments and hospitals. And the statute that established the commission set broad goals for the all-payer models and gave the commission the authority and the flexibility to fill in the details. And the brief also pointed out the importance of careful monitoring and oversight of providers by the independent agency to make sure that providers can't can't get away with discriminating and gaming the system by refusing to accept or transferring out the highest need and highest cost patients. And Maryland's independent commission has the authority to impose penalties and reduce payments to providers who try to engage in this type of activity. As to whether Maryland's successes can be even partially replicated in other states, that's really an open question at this point. Uh, Maryland's unique in some ways. Uh, Other states don't have all-payer rate setting anymore. And as uh, noted in a 2022 Forefront article by Troy and Brennan, um, the Medicare rates in Maryland are relatively high and Medicare Advantage penetration is relatively low. Wow. Thanks, Ellen. Uh, A lot there, really interesting context in terms of, you know, the echoes of the Maryland program that we see in the AHEAD model and also some hints as to um, where they might diverge. Uh, Before we do wrap up, I want to circle back to that Troy Brennan forefront piece from today. Um, He looks ahead in the article and he suggests that there's one really big uncertainty about the future of this model. And it comes down to a simple question, Will they participate? Will states participate? Will hospitals, payers participate? 
there's a lot of factors that need to fall into place before all those stakeholders, those three in particular, uh, can align and say yes, essentially, in unison. So we will see. In the meantime, we can look forward to uh, notice a funding opportunity coming up with two application periods for the model. There will be three cohorts each with their own uh, pre-implementation start dates and performance periods um, that will vary depending on the state's varying levels of readiness to uh, to get going. And then um, come spring 2024, CMS anticipates notifying the states that are awarded uh, the funding to participate. So a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to. A long way to go, a long road ahead, so to speak, before we know when, where, and exactly how the AHEAD model will be implemented. But I think we will have to leave it there for today. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please leave us a review. And if you like this episode, please tell a friend and subscribe to Health Affairs This Week wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, Ellen.